Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. In 2018, Utah voters passed Proposition 4, which set up an independent redistricting commission. Better Boundaries, an organization that pushed that measure, says that voters should pick their politicians. Politicians should not pick their voters. Last year, the district maps proposed by the commission were rejected by the legislature. According to the Deseret News, Senator Scott Sandel, Republican from Tremont and co-chair of the Legislative Redistricting Committee, so the legislature had to take a holistic look at redistricting. House Minority Leader uh, Brian King, Democrat from Salt Lake City, called the map seriously gerrymandered. And today our guests include Katie Wright, Executive Director of Better Boundaries, and Representative Brian King. So we welcome in uh, Katie Wright from Better Boundaries. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me this morning. Appreciate you uh, joining us. And Representative King, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Tom. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, folks. Uh, just to note, we tried to get uh, some other guests who might have different views, uh, but uh, were unsuccessful in, in that. Just a note there. So I want to start with uh, Katie Wright. How did you get involved in this issue? Yeah, so I joined the team at Better Boundaries this summer. I was really excited to join an organization that had led such a successful effort to get um, independent commission on the ballot and then have it be passed by the majority of Utahans. Um, and then it was a, you know, a deep dive into learning everything I could about redistricting. And we're very proud of how engaged Utahans were in the process and how well the independent commission met the standards and guidelines and operated transparently, despite the outcome, um, which is a extremely partisan gerrymandered maps, not just congressional, but the House and Senate as well. So, Katie Wright, what's the problem that you perceived? You know, a lot of people, uh, you know, came to the Hill. A lot of people uh, emailed or contacted their representative or senator. I know there was some interest in this, obviously, in uh, Prop 4 in 2018. What uh, what's the problem you're trying to overcome? Yeah, the problem is politics. Um, unfortunately, hardworking lawmakers are just inherently conflicted when it comes to drawing redistricting lines. And like all other places in life, when someone has a self-interest or a conflict of interest, I think the proper move is to remove them from that decision-making process. And so, unfortunately, what we saw happen here in Utah this fall was a complete proof of concept of our mission and belief that um, – Politicians are inherently conflicted, and we have to have an independent process. And I think it's important to note that this is a bipartisan issue. So, of course, we have a supermajority state, but um, all politicians, elected officials, are you know conflicted when it comes to drawing lines that essentially benefit their campaign. Representative King, what uh, where do you see the biggest problem in this? In in you know what some will call gerrymandering. Yeah, I don't disagree with the things that Katie has said. There is an inherent conflict when you're talking about lawmakers drawing uh, lines, especially when it comes to their own maps. For example, uh, the House, the State House and the State Senate maps that we are uh, drawing up in the legislature. Here's the problem. The problem is that the Utah State Constitution is very explicit in saying it's the legislature that has the responsibility uh, to draw those maps. And uh, once you bake into the state constitution that responsibility, you also bake into the process this inherent conflict of interest that Katie's referred to, and that I agree exists. Um, 
and that's a challenge is what do you do when you're talking about uh, drawing maps that are for your own districts? And, uh, you know, I heard a lot of folks up at the legislature say, don't the constituents that I represent have some interest in making sure that the person they chose to represent them has uh, the ability to do that going into the next redistricting cycle? So, you know, and I can look at that and say, well, there's a, there's, that's not a frivolous argument. That's not a frivolous point. So it's a challenge when you're talking about this inherent conflict of interest. Can you write? Uh, yes, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, well, no. what I was going to add is that um, we actually think that the Constitution is ambiguous about the role of the legislature. But when Prop 4 was passed, um, it had the Independent Commission be advisory due to the ambiguity um, in, in the Constitution. But what it did um, in, in the original proposition was set up standards that any maps, whether or not they were independent commission maps or maps drawn by the legislature, would have to meet. And those criteria are really the most important thing in the law. Those are what protects voters and voters' interests and puts them before the interests of legislators. So they say, include things of no undue partisanship, or favoring of a political party or candidate. And also, very importantly, they ask that the maps do not slice and dice counties and cities whenever possible and communities of interest. So what we found is that the independent commission's work, which was really exemplary, met and measured all of those criteria, whereas the legislative maps, which we did an analysis on, measured them against the same criteria of the independent commission maps, very much ignored that criteria. And so the result was voters lost. So we could have a legislature that um, holds themselves to the same standards of the independent commission, and that would put voters first and really dampen the effect of this um, inherent conflict of interest that lawmakers have. Uh, Representative King, what about this idea of keeping cities, counties, and communities uh, whole within districts as, as far as possible? Oh, I think it's critically important. I agree entirely that that is a essential element of good map drawing when you're talking about a redistricting process. And I think that, quite honestly, we, when you're looking at the state um, House and the state Senate maps, I don't know if Katie would agree with me on this, but from my perspective, we did as a legislature a much better job of honoring those kinds of lines than uh, what happened with the congressional map. It's the congressional map that gave me the greatest disappointment. Uh, for the reason that we don't, with the state house and the state senate maps, there is the inherent conflict of interest of the same people who are running in those districts, drawing the maps. That's a direct conflict. There's nothing we can do about it from our perspective because it's baked into the Constitution. But when you're talking about the congressional map, that's a different matter. The congressional map is not a map that anybody in the legislature is. Uh, directly involved with. You may have legislators who were thinking about uh, running for Congress at some point in the future, but that's different than drawing a map that you're already in, in the same way that the state House and the state Senate are. And the problem that I saw with the redistricting process is that the state House and the state Senate maps had some degree of uh, taint to them in the sense that there was uh, there were there was some gerrymandering going on there, but it was nothing compared to the gerrymandering that was going on with the congressional maps. And the degree to which there was bipartisan input to the state Senate and the state House maps was much greater than the degree of 
uh, well, the lack of bipartisan input that took place on that congressional map. Uh, Katie Wright, what do you what do you think about the the, the maps as they pertain to uh, you know down ballot races? I, I mean, I have to disagree with the representative here. Um, the House maps, in particular, um, measure very high on extreme partisan gerrymandering, and the Senate maps um, have uh, like really slice and dice cities and counties well above those of the independent commission. So the challenge here is, again, Republican or Democrat, whose interests are being put first? Is it the interest of the elected official who wants an easier race or can protect their fellow lawmakers? Or is it interest of a voter who wants to hear ideas debated and doesn't want um, races to be a done deal before they have even go to the ballot box? To the point of the congressional maps, I have no doubt that uh, there was not bipartisan support for those maps. But regardless, all of those maps were drawn behind closed doors, whereas the independent commission um, really, I think, set a standard that could be determined to be best practices for independent commissions across the country in terms of transparency. The groups that drew those, the commissioners, broke into groups that were across different partisan lines, drew those maps on YouTube. Um, you can watch the videos. So every decision they made about where lines were drawn were based on the criteria and were fully transparent. And we just don't have that with any of, of the maps that were ultimately adopted. Republican or Democrat, they were drawn behind closed doors, and that's not fair to voters. Let me ask you, uh, one of the key points put forward by uh, you know the Republicans, and I'll, I'll address this first, Representative King, then to Katie Wright. Um, so I'm quoting here for the Deseret News and quoting uh, Senator Scott Sandel, Republican of Tremont. He was the uh, chairman of the legislature's uh, committee on redistricting. Uh, he says one of the key parameters uh, was rural and urban mix. I'll go on to quote him. Uh, uh, he says much of the urban Wasatch Front relies on rural Utah, whether it's for water, mineral extraction, oil, gas production, or electricity. In addition to that, he says urban Utah recreates in rural Utah. So he, uh, that was a, uh, a key a principle put forward by the Republicans. I wonder what you think of uh, that argument, Representative King. Well, look, Utah is actually one of the most heavily urban states in the country. I mean, the, when you look at where the population of the state of Utah is located, it's located along the Wasatch Front. It's much more of an urban state, for example, than any of the Midwestern states that have heavy relatively heavy compared to Utah populations in rural areas and depend on farming. So the idea that Utah has some unique blend of rural-urban uh, setup that doesn't exist in other states is just not accurate at all. I do think that, you know, we have to take into account the degree to which the rural areas of Utah and the natural resources of Utah are critical to our economy. We have to take them into account in what we're doing in the state legislature. We should be taking them into account in our congressional uh, delegation in terms of what happens in Washington, D.C. So conceptually, I don't have a problem with Senator Sandel's comment, but I do think that there's no one way that, that, that what, what my sense is that Senator Sandel is saying, this is the justification that we're providing the people of the state of Utah for taking these congressional districts and just taking the most urban setting in the state, Salt Lake County, and cutting it into four sections uh, to reflect the four congressional districts. I think that's unjustifiable. 
That's the kind of uh, dividing of uh, communities of interests and cities and counties and uh, towns and uh, areas that logically should uh, be together that I think does offend some basic principles of redistricting on a fundamental level and that trouble me a great deal. Uh, Katie Wright, what do you think of this uh, idea, this principle of urban-rural mix? Well, I think that um, if it was meant to be a criteria, um, it should have been a part of the negotiation that Better Boundaries had with the legislature. So as you know, they threatened to repeal Prop 4. And so we went to the negotiation table and never in that conversation did the concept of a standard around a rural and urban mix um, rise. So it was never brought to the table. However, um, despite that, the Independent Commission heard that concern from its own commissioners and members of the legislature. And so they looked really seriously at how you could achieve congressional districts that had a rural and urban mix and had a measurement um, to actually look at it and make sure it was data-driven and also keep cities and counties intact. And so one of the three maps that they presented achieved that at a much higher level than the map that was ultimately adopted. So again, I think we have an argument that is um, just words and not actually based in criteria, measurement, and standards. So um, I agree with the representative that it's sort of a false argument, not based in data. And really, when you do analyze the map, it's abundantly clear that what it achieves is an extreme partisan gerrymander, and that was the goal, and that's what was achieved. Let's take a break. When we come back, we have uh, much more, of course, on this uh, topic. We're talking about redistricting and uh, the the new congressional map, and uh, the other maps have been uh, approved by the legislature. And uh, better boundaries, I'm sure, would would say, and uh, many others, uh, that uh, this new map uh, ignored the will of the the voters, and uh, certainly was not in the spirit of uh, Prop Four, which passed in uh, 2018. Uh, we'll have uh, more following this. You're listening to Access U Time. Tom Williams. We're talking about redistricting. It happens every ten years uh, following the census, and uh, the the part that gets the press is the congressional maps uh, for representatives to the U.S. House of Representatives. But they're uh, redistricting for Utah House and uh, Senate and uh, other uh, offices. Uh, in 2018, Utah voters passed Proposition 4, which set up an independent redistricting commission. That commission was set up, uh, but the legislature ignored uh, the maps uh, set forth by the commission uh, and approved uh, their own map. And, uh, of course, we'll be living with that for the next 10 years. We're talking with a uh, representative from Better Boundaries, their executive director, Katie Wright, and we're talking with House Minority Leader Brian King, Democrat from Salt Lake City. You're welcome to join this conversation if you would like. Love to get your perspective. Do you agree or disagree with the maps set forth by the legislature? Did you agree or, or disagree with the, the, would you prefer a, a different map that you saw? Uh, upraxcess at gmail.com is the way to get a hold of us. Upraxcess at gmail.com is our email. Upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. Uh, so uh, Katie writes, uh, the slogan um, for Better Boundaries is... Uh, that voters should pick their politicians, politicians should not pick their voters. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, well, redistricting is just a fundamental element of democracy. Every 10 years, 
um, across the country with the new census data, states are required to redraw political boundaries. And with, you know, the advent of big data, um, that that process, which has always been political in nature, has become even more political where, um, you know, the, the access to data allows politicians to really do precision line drawing to make it easier for them and their fellow lawmakers to get elected and harder for people from the opposite political persuasion to get elected. And in the middle, who's left out in the cold is really voters who generally want to hear, uh, see great candidates. They want competition in elections. They want to hear ideas that are important to them debated. And they also want to know that someone who understands their interests in their community can be elected. But what happens is we get cities, counties that are split up and people feel disaffected. And when people feel disaffected, they don't engage. And uh, we start seeing democracy sort of crumble at, at its edges. And so this is really a fundamental issue um, and something that Better Boundaries will continue to work on for Utah. Representative King, um, I wonder about recruiting. Uh, you know, the, Utah is a heavily Republican state anyway. If you have safer and safer districts for Republicans, I'm guessing maybe harder to recruit uh, Democrats to run. Yeah, that's true. And and to get back, Tom, to the bipartisan nature of the problem of gerrymandering, the same is true for Democratic districts in the state. So you, this is one of the real problems with gerrymandering, and that is you're not just disaffecting the minority voters, you're disaffecting uh, the majority voters in a sense of Republicans in deep blue districts. I'll give you an example. My district... Uh, had new boundaries drawn, and it went from being a district that is about, oh, I can't remember the specific exact numbers, but it's like 64% uh, Democratic in terms of the voter turnout to 67%. So my district got bluer, and that's true not for every Democratic district in the House, but it's true for most of them, I think, in terms of what the analysis is. So, yeah, that's this is part of the, the the, the evil of gerrymandering, which is it's exactly what Katie just said. It makes races less competitive, and it leads to a disaffected populace that says, we have no reason to engage politically because the game is rigged. And that troubles me a great deal. And it's one of the reasons I actually supported and continue to support uh, Better Boundaries and the folks who are uh, supporting Proposition 4, because that is not good for our, our uh our conduct of how we carry out political involvement, how we want to encourage, it's antithetical to trying to encourage political involvement on the part of people in the state of Utah when you have a situation that makes more and more people feel that it's not worth engaging. Uh, Katie Wright, I wonder if you could follow up with that. And specifically, uh, I'm seeing comments um, Desert News KSL uh, published some uh, comments from vo- from voters. Um, specifically comments that they had sent into their legislators. Uh, one common theme was, you're diluting my vote. And I guess that would suppress, tend to suppress participation. Yes, I mean, I agree with that. And to get back to um, Senator Sandals' insistence on the rural-urban uh, mix, I think that there's an argument that everyone's vote is diluted. When you look at where our current congressional representatives live, um, they are concentrated on the Wasatch Front. 
Um, but we know that we're a, a big and diverse, geographically diverse state. And so how does that benefit rural voters? Um, to, to get back to the, the, the issue at large, you know, at Better Boundaries, we know that Dem- Democrats and Republican voters across the, the political spectrum all think that independent commissions make sense. But it really gets challenging in terms of politicians. We had very, very few politicians on either side of the aisle speak in favor of the independent commission's work. But their work, as I said, was exemplary. And people who um, look at redistricting and independent redistricting across the country have noted how well they worked not allowing partisan interests to come in, their transparency. And um, I think it just speaks to the challenge of the self-interested nature of lawmakers, the conflicted, you know, the conflicts that they have in this, that we didn't see any of them um, really, or very few of them step up and say, hey, we should we should support the independent commission's work. I mean, the, the votes of the Legislative Redistricting Committee, with the exception of the congressional maps, uh, were bipartisan in favor of ignoring the commission. So it's a real problem for voters um, on either side of the aisle here in the state of Utah. I want to have each of you respond to something else uh, Senator Sandel uh, says. Um, yes, go uh, ahead. Could I, could I, I, I want to address what Katie said because I disagree with that. Okay. Here's the, the, here's the reality. On that independent commission had seven members, four appointed by Republicans, three appointed by Democrats. The four that were appointed by Republicans were appointed by the Speaker, the Senate President, and the Governor. The three that were appointed by the Democrats were appointed by myself and Senator Maine. And together, we each had two separate uh, appointments, and then we had a joint appointment. But I am enormously proud of who we were able to uh, appoint and who was willing to accept our request that they uh, serve. We had former Chief Justice Christine Durham. We had former Court of Appeals Judge Bill Thorne. We had former State Senator Karen Hale uh, as our appointments. And... These were incredibly uh, uh, good, qualified appointments, and they did excellent work on the Independent Redistricting Commission. I'm very proud of the Independent Redistricting Commission's work. And the fact is that for every map that we considered Utah State Legislature, the Democrats in the House, I can't have a, I don't have a specific recollection of how the Senate Democrats voted on this, but the House Democrats voted and requested and presented to the legislature as a whole for every one of the four maps that we drew, uh, the independent redistricting commission maps, sometimes more than one of those maps that we presented maps to be considered. So, and I don't think, and I could be wrong, and Katie may correct me if I am, but I don't think for any map that we voted on um, did the House Democrats have more votes in favor of the redistricting commission maps than against it. Most of our caucus members voted in favor of the Independent Redistricting Commission maps. And I know we all voted against the, uh, the Legislative Redistricting Commission maps for Congress. Those were horrible maps. Uh, maybe I should clarify. I couldn't agree more that the people who served on the Independent Commission were just uh, Utahns of incredible expertise and knowledge, and they did really wonderful work. I'm speaking specifically of the Legislative Redistricting Committee, which is, of course, confusing and was confusing to Utah throughout the process that we had a parallel process going to Independent Commission and then the Legislative Committee. And that committee mem- um, 
Democrat or Republican, were silent in support of the independent commission throughout that process um, and independent commission's map. And so I, I guess I would say that at Better Boundaries, we saw a lack of leadership in support of the independent process from the very beginning, and that was disheartening. I want to uh, quote Senator Sandel again. Uh, we should get him up on the program, but he weren't able to get him. Uh, he again, he's the, uh, the the chairman of the legislature's redistricting uh, commission. Um, he says, I'll just quote him from the Desert News: "The majority of comments uh, received were regarding the congressional map, which split Salt Lake County into four districts. Some of the comments he received, he said, were from Democratic voters, essentially advocating for gerrymandering. He says honestly, they would say things like, we want one district that's only in Salt Lake County, so we can have Democrats win.'" My comment to them, says Senator Sandals, that's pretty much the definition of gerrymandering. Um, so I'll, I'll put this first to Representative King. Um, uh, you, you can comment on that particular comment, but uh, what I would like to talk about is um, intention is, is really important here, isn't it? One one person's uh, redistricting is another's gerrymandering. One's gerrymandering is, is another person's redistricting. Um, and some of the maps put forward by the commission, you know, kept Salt Lake County more whole, which would uh, which would be better for the Democrats. Yeah, yeah no, that, that's true. There, it's very, there's very much a uh, two sides of the same coin aspect to this, and and again, that's the zero sum nature of redistricting. Unfortunately, is that hard choices have to be made. And when you make those hard choices, there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. And it's a funny thing that Senator Sandel points out, but it's true that we have a tendency to demand a higher level of purity and virtue and adherence to good redistricting principles from uh, members of the opposing party when they're doing redistricting than we do ourselves. Because the reality is that, and, and I'm sure Katie would agree with this, that um, you have heavily democratic district or heavily democratic states in this country that engage in redistricting to uh, in a gerrymandering way that is every bit as aggressive as some of the red states that do it, some of the Republican states that do it. So there's that reality, and and it's one of the reasons what the thing that was really hard for me from my perspective is. I do believe in good redistricting principles. I do believe that we ought to have an independent redistricting commission. The problem that we've got, however, is I believe, and uh, you heard Katie say a little earlier that she thinks there's some ambiguity about the language of the state constitution. I disagree with that. I think the state constitution is about as clear as it can be in saying we're putting in the hands of the legislature the obligation and the right to do the redistricting. And it's very tough to get the Constitution in the state of Utah changed. It's not like California. you got to have two-thirds of the state House and two-thirds of the state Senate sign off on a change to the Constitution. Then it has to be presented to the people and have them voted up. I don't think on this issue of redistricting you're going to have a hard time getting the people of the state of Utah to say yes. They've already said yes in the form of Proposition 4, but it's going to be next to impossible to get two-thirds of both the state Senate and the state House to sign off on giving away the power that exists in the state constitution about uh, drawing those maps. So my, my feeling is, look, I, 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 
encourage and promote and support good redistricting principles. I think that's what's best for Utah and best for Utahns. But I also have to acknowledge the reality that the state constitution vests that obligation to do redistricting in uh, me and 103 other state legislators every 10 years. And so it's it's really challenging from my perspective. puts every legislator who is conscientious and thoughtful in a very hard place. Uh, Katie Wright, I want to have you uh, talk about the, those principles. You talked about earlier in the program, but those, those principles, in the context of what I brought up here, that... that um, you, whatever you do, and and those who pr- propose a map will will say we we base this on correct principles, um, but the opposition's always going to yell gerrymandering, aren't they? You know, I think this is where data is critical. So we know that that congressional map um, has a half a percent chance of being drawn, um, and so with the outcome that it achieves, and so that outcome is a complete outlier. And so it doesn't reflect the politics and geography of our state and how people vote and have voted in the past. It instead reflects an outcome um, that comes with, you know, very precision drawing of lines. And I think that's where we get back to how voters lose. So in these conversations, you know, it's, it's fine to say, oh, we kept cities intact or we did this. But unless you're measuring it with data and analysis, and there's plenty of experts who can do this, um, then we really are, what are we talking about? So we need to go back to the data. And there's an analysis of the maps on betterboundaries.org. And I think that that shows that what Senator Sandel is saying is that people were asking for um, a map that, you know, is in favor of Democrats is actually, no, we're asking for maps that are impartial, that really just reflect where people live and how they vote and what issues are important to them. That's the mission, and that can be achieved if you follow the criteria of not looking at where incumbents live, of not favoring particular parties, and really, really focusing on keeping cities, counties, and communities intact. When you do that, you get impartial maps, and that's the ultimate outcome that we're focused on at Better Boundaries. So, Katie Wright, will there be a court challenge, uh, do you think? Uh, for example, there, there's successful court challenge recently in Ohio. Yes. So we are deeply considering and assessing the viability of a lawsuit here in Utah. Look, this is not something that we ever wanted to do, um, but we have got now gone, and with the people of Utah's support, every single step possible to try to achieve um, an impartial outcome in our map adoption and unfortunately, we're in a worse place than where we were a decade ago as a country and, or as a state. I'm sorry. So I think that um, makes a lawsuit more viable. We are assessing it. The two key cases to look at are from North Carolina and Pennsylvania, where those states have free election clauses in their constitution, and they were able to prevail in their state Supreme Court arguing that a partisan gerrymander um, prohibits a free election because the results are determined before people even go to the ballot box. So if we were to pursue a lawsuit, it would likely be along a similar argument. Representative King, would you support a lawsuit? Well, it's outside my um, bailiwick in terms of, uh, you know, I'm not involved in making that decision. But look, 
the Supreme Court, my understanding is that the Supreme Court has made challenges based on political uh, gerrymandering difficult to pursue in litigation based on the federal constitution. I think the, the most promising possibility in terms of litigation uh, for people here in the state of Utah is based on terms of a state constitution, because you may have a process of redistricting that qualifies under the federal constitution, but if the state constitution prohibits it, you've got a whole other constitutional basis to challenge. And I'll leave it in the hands of others who are evaluating that, but I guess what I'm saying is I don't think the fact that the U.S. Supreme Court has made political gerrymandering challenges very difficult for us is something that uh, is going to necessarily prevent uh, the uh, ability to bring a constitutional challenge under the state constitution. And look, here's what I would say, setting aside litigation. I'm very grateful for the work of the folks at Better Boundaries and for the folks who were supporting Prop 4. I hope it continues. I think that we need to see continued pressure and greater pressure brought to bear against the legislature uh, to listen to the will of the people, regardless of what the state constitution says. It may be that the state constitution vests in the state legislature the obligation to draw the maps and that we're going to have a very difficult time changing the state constitution on that point. But that doesn't mean that people raising their voices aggressively and loudly doesn't have an impact or shouldn't or won't have an impact. I think that it can. I think that we need to do a better job of having balance restored to the state legislature. And I realize that the redistricting process that we just went through makes that even harder than it was before. But look, you're going to get continued abuse of power by a supermajority in the state legislature for as long as they're a supermajority, regardless of who the supermajority is. It could be a Democratic supermajority. They would abuse power, too, because that's what supermajorities do. <laughs> you know, that they, they abuse power. And, I mean, it's just inherent in having absolute power that there are very few groups or individuals with those levels of power that don't abuse it. We know that from human experience. So we're going to do a much better job in Utah on redistricting, as in all areas of public policy, if we have better balance politically in the state legislature. Um, I, I just I, I I can't let that go without uh, without asking a follow up, Representative King. Um, sure. <laughs> see, yeah, I'm sure if I were to talk to just about any Republican, uh, they would say we have a supermajority because we're just in much better step with the with the voters' wishes and and that we do a, a great job and that we're not abusing power. Well, they might. They, I, I'm sure they would say that too. And the reality is that we do have. Uh, a culture and a uh, a tradition in Utah of electing Republicans, and we've done that for decades now. Um, but I do think that you're going to get much better processes. I'll, I'll give you, Tom, we've been in session a week up at the legislature. And do you know how many bills the Republican supermajority has suspended the rules on to have bypass committee hearings? It's like three or four major bills dealing with COVID for the most part, uh, test to stay and the mask mandate. I mean, the Republican supermajority in the House and the Senate just do whatever they want, basically, whenever they want to. And because Democrats are in a super minority, there's not much that can be done. 
So, I mean, I'm not saying that Republicans, everything Republicans do or say in the state of Utah and the state legislature is wrong and is causing the death and pillage of Utah. That would be inaccurate. They do some good things. Utah has benefited from wise legislative decisions on both sides of the aisle. And there are many, many bills where Democrats and Republicans align, and we agree because there are good policies that are pursued. But the likelihood of good policies being pursued decreases to the degree that you don't have an interaction, a vigorous exchange of ideas at the legislative level that allows for uh, rough edges to be knocked off and the good contributions that a minority party can bring to be incorporated into the bill. So that's all I'm saying is that you're going to have better policies if you have a more robust uh, divide that's that's even more approximating uh, parity up at the legislature than what we have right now. Kitty Wright, I wonder if you have any comments on this, and then I have another question for you. But uh, this this idea of, uh, of you know good government or not uh, by supermajorities. Yeah, I think that um, look, unchecked power is always a concern. It doesn't matter who's wielding it. Um, so I think that most people are concerned when, you know, there's imbalance in any system. I guess what I would say is that independent redistricting that has criteria that focuses on keeping communities intact is a really good tool to make sure that there's rigorous debate um, and voice from all over the state in our legislature. And that in of itself will bring, I think, more thoughtful policies. So um you know, I agree that um, debate, conversation, uh, collaboration, meeting in the middle is all healthy for public policy. And I think a way to get there is having redistricting that, you know, has criteria that centers voters and not it's not a job protection program for lawmakers. Uh, I'll hold my next question until after break. We're overdue for a break. So let's uh, take a break now. We're talking with uh, Katie Wright, who is executive director of Better Boundaries, and we're talking also with House Minority Leader, Representative Brian King, Democrat from Salt Lake City. We'll have more following this. Thanks for joining us for Access U Time. Tom Williams, we've reached our last segment with Representative Brian King. He's the House Minority Leader. And uh, we're also talking with Katie Wright, who is Executive Director of Better Boundaries. We're talking about redistricting. Um, and uh, I want to maybe take the pulse here of the people you're talking to, Katie Wright. Um, lots of ups and downs here. Uh, euphoria in the passage in 2018 to now it's a, I imagine a down. Uh, what are what are folks that you're talking to saying about this process? Gosh, people are frustrated. Um, as you mentioned earlier in the show, Utahans really showed up for public meetings, commenting on draft maps, the participation in uh, redistricting from everyday Utahans was really through the roof and higher than other states with much, much larger populations. So Utahns care about this issue as complex and wonky as it is. Um, now I think the result is a lot of frustration. So I get a lot of emails that basically say, sue them, what are you waiting for? Now, of course, we're gonna be thoughtful and very strategic in any next steps. But um, I guess if I could take the pulse of Utahns, I would say, Frustration is the term that uh, would maybe summarize how people are feeling. Representative King, what are what are folks saying that you're talking to? Well, I think the same. I mean, I I hear a lot of frustration about this, and I think uh, 
rightly so. I think, but but I come back to this hard place, rock on a hard place situation that as I feel as a legislator, which is I have committed to uphold the principles and the language uh, in the federal and state constitution. And the state constitution, I think, unequivocally says the legislature has to do the redistricting. I'd love to see that change. The likelihood, the ability of getting it changed is really low. So what do we do as a legislator? What do I do with that language in the state constitution and with my own feeling, strong feeling, that the work that Better Boundaries is doing and the uh, effort that goes into putting in place a good redistricting process, a better redistricting process than what we have with the legislators just choosing their own uh, people to elect them, is in place. Well, I think that from my perspective, what we have to do is encourage Utah to continue and, and strengthen the voice that they're raising to their legislators to say, listen, you have to, to hear what we're saying, and you have to do a better job of redistricting in a way that accords with the recommendations of the Independent Redistricting Commission. I'm all in favor of that. And here's the thing. If the legislature, as they did in 2021, fails to adhere to the will of the people and the recommendations of the Independent Redistricting Commission, the people of the state of Utah have to vote those legislators out. And if they don't, legislators will be sent a very clear message that they can do whatever they want to do, and the people of the state of Utah won't throw them out of office. So, I mean, I recognize the incongruity and agree with the frustration. Governor Cox was asked about this, and he said, well, you know, people don't like the decisions that are made by the state legislature, throw them out of office. That's challenging when you've got gerrymandering and redistricting violating the ability of people to effectively vote uh, legislators out of office. So I get the conundrum that we as Utahns face. Uh, I just think that we have to keep working on this and not get discouraged and throw up our hands because there's nothing good that comes from quitting or giving up on this. We have to continue to engage. I beg people to continue to do that, even though they're very frustrated. I wanted to throw this out. Um, I read this in an op-ed piece so a few months ago. It struck me. Um, this writer said that those who are pushing independent redistricting commissions and uh, a lot of Democrats out there doing such and fewer Republicans um, are actually uh, unilaterally disarming themselves in this arms race, which can be effective. Uh, gerrymandering can be effective in uh, you know, putting more in your party in Congress and therefore uh, securing power. I'll, I'll put this first to Representative King. Uh, is I don't know. Do you worry about that? Uh, if if Democrats aren't busily engaged in gerrymandering themselves, they're just disarming themselves in this arms race. You know, Tom, you remind me of a comment from uh, a good friend of mine, Frank Pignanelli, who served in the state house as a Democrat for many years in the eighties and nineties. He said a few years ago, Democrats would rather be right than win. Republicans don't have that problem. Your question reminds me of his statement. There is a degree to which Democrats have a tendency to value purity and commitment to principles of good lawmaking and good policy over doing what's necessary to win. 
And that is this unilateral element that you've referred to. And I think it's a real challenge for Democrats that we have to not give up the commitment to talk to people about good policies and why we should get their vote and be elected, not just because we're pandering to their their lowest or their basest sort of feelings in a way that I see way too often by uh, candidates for office, but because if they cast a vote for a Democrat, they're going to have a better commitment to good policies and good principles of lawmaking across the board than if they cast a vote for Republicans these days. And I don't think it takes a lot of effort to look around and see the truth of that statement. I'm sure Republicans would disagree, but with all due respect, I think that what we've got here is the the obligation by Democrats to both remain true to good policymaking and good principles, such as the kind of uh, redistricting principles that Better Boundaries is pushing, while at the same time helping people understand why uh, it's necessary if you want your life to improve on a day-to-day basic level to start voting for Democrats rather than Republicans. Kid, you're right. I want to get your perspective on this. Uh, you know, if we stipulate, uh, okay, principles put forward uh, uh, under ind- independent redistricting commissions uh, are sound, wouldn't it be better to wait until all states uh, do it? Um, I don't think so, because I don't think accountability is a partisan issue. It doesn't matter if you vote Republican, Democrat, independent. I think most people firmly believe that elected officials should be accountable to their constituents, to the people who live in their district. And um, bad redistricting, like we just had, insulates politicians from accountability. And that's just not good. It doesn't create a thriving democracy. And I just don't believe that's a partisan issue. So wherever we can make gains in creating more accountability in government, um, I think we have benefited the people. And I think we also need to mention that in the Utah State Constitution, it is clear that all inherent all power is inherent in the people and that the people have a right to reform their government. So we've talked here and there about what the Constitution says, but I think that um, that there is a, a knowledge and a real basic belief in our state constitution that really the people are in charge here. We're a republic, and that's, that's how it works. We just have uh, about uh, three minutes left. Uh, give about a, you know, a minute to each of you. Uh, first, uh, Representative King, uh, final thoughts on this issue. What, what's the main takeaway you'd have us take away? Well, I think the main takeaway from my perspective is I We've got to continue to talk about uh, the need for the state legislature on redistricting and on every other issue to conduct itself in a way that is first and foremost committed to principles that we can all agree on represent the best policy approach, regardless of what what party you belong to, the best policy approach to doing something, whether it's redistricting. In this case, we've been talking about this morning. I'm all in favor of that. But it also goes to... uh, the truth of how we carry out uh, our policymaking with regard to education, natural resources, uh, economic development, public health. I mean, we've seen, of course, this pandemic that we've been in, and the public health issue is so critically important. And one of the things that's so frustrating to me is that if we as a legislature complied with what our public health experts were saying as opposed to what our ideology was, we'd all be better off. We know that. And yet sometimes we at the legislature don't do that. So Commit yourself to the best policies that you, uh, as an elected official, that are out there. 
don't allow yourself to be dragged down by political expediency. Kitty Wright, we'll give you the last word. What's the big takeaway for you? We have about a minute left. Well, I would say that Better Boundaries stands with the people of Utah who voted in Prop 4 and then showed up um, just at record-level numbers to tell lawmakers from all over the state that they value an independent process that's transparent. And so we will continue to fight this fight. We have a pack. We will identify people on both sides of the aisle who turn their back on voters and um, try to elect people who believe in good governance and transparency. And as I mentioned earlier, we are seriously assessing the viability of a lawsuit. So we think this issue is too important and critical to go away, and we'll continue the fight. And we just appreciate how much Utahns care about an issue that is so complex. Well, thank you very much uh, to both of you. Uh, Interesting discussion today. Representative Brian King, the House Minority Leader, has been with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. And uh, Katie Wright, Executive Director of Better Boundaries, thank you to you as well. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening today to Access Utah.